All right, guys, on this episode, I have Joe Fairless, friend, colleague, and real estate master who is the co-founder of Ashcroft Capital, who has close to $2 billion of assets under management. In addition, he is the creator of the best ever real estate advice investing show, the longest ever running real estate daily podcast. He is a Texas Tech alumni advisor and board member. And he has numerous charities, including Junior Achievement, Best Ever Causes. He lives with his wife and daughter in Cincinnati. And this interview, guys, you're going to learn about the value of a mortality clock, um, how to go from a $30,000 struggling advertising executive to controlling $2 billion of real estate and the number one book that has influenced the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Joe Fairless. Stay tuned. What if you could reclaim hours of free time each week, create legacy building wealth, and devote more energy to your passion projects without giving up on your career as a life-saving MD? My name is Vikram Raya, functional cardiologist, high-performance coach, and real estate expert. And I'm here to give you the tools, strategies, and solutions you need to transform your life so you can unlock your limitless potential and achieve greatness all the while freeing up your precious time. Welcome to Limitless MD. Let's dive in. If you're a physician who's making good money, but you're feeling stuck in your current situation, or if you're tired of feeling just comfortable and are ready to pivot toward that freedom and wealth lifestyle you always wanted, then I want to introduce you to my newest program. It's called the Physician Wealth Accelerator, also known as PWA. In PWA, you're going to learn the strategies to gain more passive and active income. You'll learn how to free up 10 plus hours a week to pursue your passions and side gigs. If this resonates with you, then I want to personally invite you to join our elite community of high achieving doctors in the Physician Wealth Accelerator. This is a completely free coaching group where you'll be around other professionals in the medical field who are like you and looking to uplevel their life. You'll get access to live monthly masterclasses, live Q&As, and all my best personal resources, as well as access my new app to help you become limitless. If you want to check it out, there will be a link in the show notes for you. Just click it, and you'll be able to join this exclusive community of high-performing docs. Looking forward to connecting with you on the inside. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Limitless MD. I'm your host, Vikram Raya, and I have a special guest today, guys. I got Joe Fairless, a good friend of mine who's an uber successful uh, real estate investor, a cool guy, and I want to say maybe a future grandmaster in, in chess, potentially. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm practicing and practicing and hiring people to help me get to the top of my game, but I have a feeling I'm not going to reach that level. Um, from what I've learned about you, it's, uh, there's, there's a solution to everything, right? Well, so. I mean, grandmaster though, you gotta <laughs> throw, I think I'd have to forsake my real estate career and I'm not ready to do that to become a grandmaster. You're not ready to hang up the multifamily hat yet, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. So, so Joe, uh, I'm just uh, super excited and pumped. Um, you know, uh, I've admired you. Uh, we've, we've had some really cool conversations over the years and we share some, common mentors. Um, but let me ask you this. What is a failure or an apparent failure um, 
that you that sort of set you up for later success? What's what's your favorite failure if you had one? Um, well, I don't think I have any favorite failure, but I certainly have a failure that will qualify for what you're asking because I, I do believe, as the question is alluding to, that failures, assuming that we process them mentally and approach tactically the right way, will are springboards for helping us with future things. And I mean, certainly the, the main one that comes to mind is the first syndication that I did uh, right out of the gate after having owned four single family homes. I bought a, or I actually got a master lease with option to purchase. So technically we didn't purchase it, uh, but I, I raised money from 12 investors. It lost money and I ended up paying back my investors out of my own pocket over the course of the next year to two years after we closed on the property. So after we sold it uh, out of my own pocket and I, I paid them plus 14% annualized cash on cash return. And yeah, that, that first deal, the first syndication taught me a whole lot, a whole, whole lot from what I'm good at and what I'm not good at as it relates to commercial real estate investing and um, what I need uh, on my team or who I need on my team and what I need on my team in order to have success in the apartment syndication industry. Yeah. Let's talk about teams for a second, Joe. Uh, a lot of people are starting off uh, either they're physicians and they want to pivot to something else or they're already successful entrepreneurs or something, but uh, there's always plateaus to their growth. They, they get, they grow, they read the books, they get the conferences, they learn, um, they implement business practices, but they hit that, that plateau. What has enabled you to pierce through these plateaus or don't stay them too long and go and keep, keep the growth up? Like, is it the team? Yeah. Is it, is it your mindset? Is, I mean, there's not one thing, but what would you say yeah. is the main thing? I mean, I, I, I can tell you, I relate to that because whenever I graduated college, I went to Texas Tech University and my major was advertising with the English minor. And I went from Texas Tech, which is in Lubbock, Texas, to New York City. And uh, it's a stark contrast in culture and just, um, you know, just, just going from a college kid to be, you know, working in New York City. I was working on Wall Street, or excuse me, I was working on Madison Avenue uh, as my first job out of, out of school. And I was making $30,000 as a junior project manager for a company called TBWA Shiat Day. They did all the Apple ads back, back in the 1980s. And so that was, that was what they're well known for. And uh, you know, when you're not making a lot of money and you're living in New York City, um, that was a goal of mine naturally to climb the corporate ladder. And I had a quantifiable goal of achieving uh, to, to earn annually $100,000. And so I climbed the corporate ladder relatively quickly and I, and to earn a hundred thousand dollars before I was 30, by the way. And so I ended up earning a hundred thousand dollars salary by the time I was around 27, 28 years old or so. And then I was like, okay, but now what? So what's next? And so I, what I realized with having achieved that quantifiable goal, and that was the first real big goal as a professional that I had achieved that I'd been been, been striving for. What I realized is that um, there's something deeper that is needed in order to have true fulfillment. 
And I know you're a personal development fan, as am I, and and student. And you know, we know about Tony Robbins uh, and the two keys of fulfillment: growth and contribution. And I was not a student of personal development then. I was, you know, in my late twenties. Um, but I, I realized that something was off. And so that is that's something that I'm constantly mindful of now. Whenever I do achieve a certain level and perhaps, or perhaps there's a, a plateau where it's like, okay, I've achieved it, but now I'm kind of just um, plateauing and, and, and not really growing. Well, it's a, it's a simple reason why I'm plateauing or not growing as much. And it's because I didn't have the, I don't have the drive that I had to get me to that level that I'm at. And so why don't I have, what, what, what's, what's going on with me? Why don't I have that drive? Hey, I, I achieved a certain amount in this case, $100,000 before I was you know, 27, 28, but then I kind of you know, tapered off. Why is that? Well, because I didn't have the, uh, I, I wasn't truly fulfilled by what I was doing. And so uh, what I found is that when uh, I define my, how I look at what, where I spend my time based off of the values that are important to me in life, then I tend to have fewer of those plateaus because I'm spending and investing more of my time doing things that I really enjoy doing. And so you don't have as many of those plateaus. That's how you find, uh, from my experience, that's how you find a success or fulfillment after success. You find fulfillment after success by being intentional about uh, the values that are important to you or I, and then making decisions on how we spend our time based on those values. So I'll give you a specific example. So I have a vision board and I've had a vision board for the last seven, eight years, maybe longer. And uh, on the vision board right now, I'm looking at it. Look, I've got it printed three feet by four feet on my, on my uh, wall. And it's also on my phone, my backdrop of my phone and backdrop of my desktop a computer. On there, there there's, a, there's a number one, number two, and number three. Because I went through this exercise and I identified what are the three things I value most that uh, I want to use as a filter in which I decide how I invest my time. Because we all have a short amount of time on earth together. And if you look behind me, I don't know if you can see it, see that clock click, ticking down? Yeah, I see the that, clock. That's my death clock. Uh, and <laughs> I, my, my wife does not like me referring to it as my death clock. So it's a countdown to my 90th birthday clock. Okay. But regardless, it serves as a reminder for me daily that, man, t- time's, time's ticking away. Like every moment is precious. And so the three things that I have of, on my vision board that help me identify how I spend my time. One, and these three things would be different for anyone, but these are mine. First is health. Second is freedom. And three is enjoyment. And certainly um, family and friends and everything else is integrated into these things. But uh, those are the three things that whenever I am presented opportunities or or um, presented you know, different, if, if there's some, some ideas that I have that I want to pursue, I first think, okay, do these align with health, freedom, and enjoyment in that order? Because those are the three things that are important to me. And then I have fewer plateaus because I'm spending more of my time doing things 
that I, uh, that align with my values. Yeah. I, I love that. Uh, I love the, first of all, I love the clock, the countdown clock. That is, uh, you know, some people say, Hey, that's morbid. No, it's smart. It's like, it's real. Look like it's not about like, I want a million. Good. You got a million. I want two million through it's, it's this hedonic treadmill that we're all on. Right. That can't be the lens in which you justify your life. I think it's that. And how do you gain that fulfillment is because you're in alignment with your values. Your three values you talked about, Joe, are, are crucial to you filtering everything else out in your life and say, Hey, if they're in alignment with my values. That's, that's what I do. If they're not in alignment, I'm going to take a pass. And yeah. so then then when you're striving for that, you don't, you're saying you don't hit those plateaus because it's, it's, I, I call like, you know, what Joe Pollock says, easy, lucrative, and fun. You're, you're in flow. You're in, you're, you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're in state. So um, that's awesome. But let me ask you this, man. Um, you've created a couple of different platforms, the best ever platform, which is like your own personal brand slash your sort of publishing house. And then you have Ashcroft. There's a lot of people out there that are, that are trying to do things, but it, they find it, it's very difficult to do two things at once. How did you, how do you frame those two things, even though they're very complimentary? Well, um, at this point, I have the right team in place. Uh, I have someone who oversees the best ever brand and, you know, I spend the majority of my time, I'd say 90% of my time professionally on Ashcroft. Uh, Ashcroft, uh, coincidentally, uh, or no coincidence, earns me 99.9% .9 of the income personally compared to the Best Ever brand. The Best Ever brand was not profitable until uh, this year. And so, um, yeah, I, I think early on, though, it was, it was, um, yeah, it, it, it was just being prioritizing my time. I mean, we all have the same amount of hours in the day. It's just, it, it was a priority for me. Now, the let, let's talk about some things I had going in my favor. One of them was that I didn't have any kids at the time whenever I was starting out. Another was that, uh, you know, I've been with my wife for six or so years. I should know that exactly. Six, <laughs> six or seven, six or seven years. We'll edit that uh, out later. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she won't, she won't listen to this. <laughs> but uh, before that, I was single and I was naval. Yeah, I, I didn't have any priorities or or time commitments uh, that I that I you know from a family standpoint other than my immediate family. So you know there there and I was younger too. Yeah, I was late twenties, early thirties. Uh, now I'm thirty nine, and so you know there's just this different different uh, stage of life afforded me the opportunity to prioritize my time and just double down on things and. Um, so now with, with, uh, when, when people have families and stuff, it, it's more challenging or W2 job that they're also working on in addition to, uh, something else. And one, one thing that was helpful for me, I'll say, uh, regardless of, uh, my life cir circumstance or someone who's listening's life circumstance is if we're interested in something, but we still have that full-time commitment. Then one thing that was helpful for me is I did what I call sampled life experiences while I had that full-time commitment. So I'll give you a specific example. Whenever I had my full-time job in advertising in New York, and you know it was a 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. job, uh, Monday through Friday, and a little bit on the weekends, but for the most part, they respected the weekends. But it was a lot of hours working in advertising in New York City. What I did is I 
wanted to become a better public speaker. So I took some uh, improv classes and then, and then they said, well, why are you here? I said, I'm trying to become a better public speaker. Like, well, you know, if you really want to uh, become a better public speaker, then you should do stand-up comedy. I was like, what? They said, yeah, because if you do stand-up with improv, if I, if, if you're on stage and I hand you a, a you know, a, a broomstick, then the audience is going to know, man, you're seeing that broomstick for the first time. So they're going to cut you some slack in terms of how funny you are with what you say. Whereas with uh, stand-up comedy, the, 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 the expectations are much higher. So stand-up comedy is like a master's class in, in public speaking because you have a higher level of expectations with the audience because you've got to make them laugh every seven seconds. And by no means did I make them laugh every second seconds or really any, uh, any seconds at all during my stand-up bits, but it was quite the personal growth experience. And I was able to do that while I had my full-time job. I was also uh, doing other things like teaching classes on how to invest in real estate while I had my full-time job, I do it on the weekends. And so um, I think that's a really good way for anyone who's looking outside of their current career uh, to just sample things. And then I saw what I liked, what I didn't like about certain aspects. And clearly I did not become an improv professional or stand-up comedian professional, but I, I ended up seeing the, the path in real estate. So that's what I ended up focusing on. I love that. Uh, that's a great piece of advice uh, for those guys who are listening. The, uh, the sample career uh, sort of appetizer platter where you, yeah. you know, you're safe, you're doing your main job and then trying out different things on the weekends or on your nights, you know, and uh, your, your, your off hours. And so I love that. And, and it ended up leading to your next pivot in career in your life. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Cause I asked this a lot of my guests, um, what's your superpower and, and more importantly, what's the dark side of that superpower? Well, I'll, I'll say it this way. When I'm in a room, uh, I can, I am very in tune with who is disengaged, who's engaged, who is interested in what's being discussed, uh, who's not. And I'm talking about it doesn't have to, it doesn't mean have to be if I'm talking or not to someone. It's just if I'm just observing, if I'm sitting in a chair and just watching all these people talk to each other, I can I can pick up on that really well. And um, so that allows me to connect with people more because I can tell if, hey, what I'm saying is is resonating or not, or if, um, you know, if, if they, if I, if I need to approach something differently. And I can tell you my brother, my oldest brother has the same, we'll call it skill set or superpower as well, where, you know, if, if you were to come over to our house and my brother's there, he would spend the majority of his time speaking to you and making sure that you feel comfortable and just getting to know you. And he'd be really engaging and, and you two would just hit it off. And he just wants to make sure everyone is, is comfortable and, and, and engaged. Um, and, and so the downside to that is that, uh, uh, you know, when there, when people are not engaged and, and, you know, you feel like you have the, or I feel like I have the, um, you know, I'm compelled to make sure, you know, hey, everyone's, everyone's um, feeling comfortable. And if they're in a new setting, you know, doing, doing what I can. And so, you know, it can be a little taxing um, for sure. Um, but, you know, there, there, there's, I, I certainly am glad that I have that skill set because, you know, it just helps me help, help, helps me connect with people more. And I enjoy that. And I enjoy, I enjoy the one-on-one aspect of, of just getting to know people. 
here's uh, an easy one for you, Joe. What's the the number one book you gift the most? Um, number one book I gift the most uh, would be. I mean, I, I'd say so. I don't send books out to people, but as far as recommend, uh, I'd say Forty Eight Laws of Power would be one that I recommend a lot to people, and it's by Robert Greene. I mean, he's just a phenomenal writer, very engaging, very tell it like it is. It comes from a historical standpoint um, where you, you learn all about history and then how that history can be applied to what you're working on now. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that book a lot. And I know you're a big reader, reader. You're, 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 you keep it OG, like original. You read the books. And I know I a lot of the books are, are, are into Audible. Uh, you find one better than the other or you find it uh, easy to you know, take it in as you read. Yeah. yeah. That, that, I mean, I, I mark, I mark up my books like this book I'm reading now. I see it, but it's got like a torn cover reclaiming conversation. And, you know, I just like, yeah, I make notes in the book and stuff. So yeah, I, I like to get all up in there and, and mark <laughs> it up. Uh, I just read, I reread raving fans this weekend. Okay. Uh, because that is something that I personally need to do a better job implementing at, uh, my company. So that's something I needed a refresher on. When you're at Ashcroft or even best ever, or just in, just in life, when you feel overwhelmed or you feel unfocused or you've lost your focus or drive even, which I don't think is often for you, but if it does happen, what do you no, do? It happens. Yeah. And yeah what, what, questions, happens. what questions do you ask or um, how do you, how do you refocus reframe? Well, I mean, I think it depends on the situation for what's, what's happening. If it's, uh, but generally speaking, the challenges that come up, the, the question is what's great about this and how can I use this? I mean, I, I just mentioned that I reread raving fans this weekend, marked it up again and going to implement uh, some things from that book into our systems at Ashcroft. And, um, I'm, I'm confident that because we're going through a challenging part right now from an investor services standpoint, I mean, our deals are, are doing very well, but we just don't have the right number of people on our team from an investor services standpoint to, uh, to, to deliver five-star service, and I'm fixing that right now. Um, I'm confident that because we're going through these growing, growing pains now over these two months or so, that we'll be we'll go two, two years ahead of where we were if we hadn't gone through these growing pains. And so I'm always, yeah, I've, I've got another post. I've got a poster right over here. You can't see it, but it says we don't grow when things are easy. We grow when we face challenges. And so, yeah, that's just how I approach it. Um, What's great about this. And then I know that uh, I'm going to be better off as a result of it. As you keep, uh, you know, going toward your goals and dreams, uh, you know, what's next for Joe? Like where, it, it, and, and, and I guess a corollary to that would be, how do you stay monomaniacally focused on your one thing while I've seen a lot of people in our industry start varying and diverging and yeah. mixing and matching? Like uh, talk about like sort of what's next and how do you stay so focused on one thing and go for that complete domination ownership? Yeah, I mean, I went to, so uh, for March Madness basketball tournament, my, my wife and I, and we went with some friends, we went to uh, Las Vegas and, you know, 
bet on some games and just you know, went to a Katy Perry concert, which was quite the production, <laughs> and and did some other things. And it was a lot of yeah. fun. One of the things we did is we went to a um, an Italian restaurant in the Wynn, and it was surprising to me uh, that in addition to Italian food, they offered all sorts of other food from Chinese to uh, to American and to other things. I was like, man, this is just too much. You're, you're, you're not focused. And quite frankly, the Italian food wasn't that good. And it wasn't a surprise because they weren't laser focused on the thing they did very well. And so the you know, same thing with our business. I mean, we're focused on multifamily value-add investments. That's, that's, that's where we do well. And uh, it's possible to incorporate other things, but I've seen it from a restaurant standpoint. Whenever I go there, if a menu is seven pages long, usually they're not good at any of it. But if it's one page long or half a page, they're gonna be darn good at those things. And I think that's that's ultimately what we want we want to be in, and that's that's who we are. So that's just our mindset. And and the goal is to continue to grow, just go yeah. deeper and just and, and, and I mean. Yeah, I mean, we we work as you do, you know, with high net worth accredited investors, and so the goal is to continue to help them out, um, because ultimately my focus is on uh, helping. Well, I have an inherent belief that we're all good people. Most of us, excuse me, most of us are good people, and when when we can do what we want with our time, we will do more good things for others and for you know our family and for ourselves. And so if we at Ashcroft can help our accredited investors do more with or earn more of their time back through our investments, then the world's going to be better. That's my underlying belief. And so, yes, uh, long-term vision, it's to keep performing on our deals and keep working with accredited investors. I have a lot of doctors and other entrepreneurs who are um, concerned about the, uh, the, the changing of the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice do you have for them for, so they can be able to navigate any uncertainty that may come in the future? Well, I mean, I, I'd say, um, yeah, inflation, depending on what report you look at, uh, was anywhere between seven to, to 14%, well, 14% according to one report last month. And if I'll speak for myself, if I put a hundred thousand dollars of my money in a savings account, and it's earning 3%, which it's not at a savings account, but let's just say it is, and inflation was 14%, then I'm down 11% buying power from that $100,000. So uh, in my opinion, personally, it's not a matter of, of not investing because with the inflation the way it is, I feel personally that I'm, I need to invest, um, but it's a matter of what do I invest in? And I've invested in all, all sorts of things from startups in Cincinnati, startups in Dallas, uh, venture capital firms, um, some other thing that was probably a Ponzi scheme and I lost $100,000. <laughs> um, and, and ultimately, all roads lead back to multifamily. Uh, in my opinion, I mean, I personally am, in, am an LP in about 100 deals as of this conversation. And, you know, 25 to 30 of those are our current deals, uh, my current deals, but still I'm an LP in about 75, 70 to 75 other people's deals. Cause I believe in it. And so I, I, but I spread, I do personally spread it out 
as an LP across other asset classes, but I'd say 80% of my money is in multifamily. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's stabilized cash flowing assets. And yeah. it, certainly things could go wrong. You can just reference my first story about how <laughs> I messed up. And, you know, there are all sorts of things that it was, it was my responsibility to, to see the deal through um, successfully. And it was not successful, but I learned from it, brought in the right team members. Um, so things can go wrong. You could lose your money in any investment, but I, I think ultimately it's if you if if you have a tangible asset that cash flows out of the gate, and you have a proven business plan that you can scale back should the winds change, uh, and just sit back and cash flow, uh, but not make as much as you'd like on the exit, but still be relatively safe. Uh, then that's what I personally choose to do. I can't recommend that to anyone else. That's my that's my philosophy. Guys, you just heard it from Joe. I mean, the guy's humble, down to earth, successful, but he's still a thinker and, and he reads voraciously and he's a family man. I consider him a good friend. So guys, this is uh, definitely an episode you might want to listen to again. Joe, what's the impact you want to have on the world? Well, on my grave, I want to say uh, simply that those who came across me were better off as a result of coming across me and maybe we'll word it a little bit better, but that, that's, that's ultimately what You'll I will get your copyright on it. That's all. That's ultimately what I, I don't want to copyright that. So yeah, a copywriter. Yeah. Yeah. Get a copywriter on it. I mean, yeah. that, that's it. I mean, simple as that. I mean, I, I personally volunteer for hospice and I do that twice a month um, now that we can with COVID again, but um, ultimately that's, that's it. And yeah, it's, it's so eye opening. I know we got to roll, but, it's so eye-opening. And I mean, I know you and your physician colleagues know this much better than me. So I know I recognize who I'm speaking to, but it's it's eye-opening to hear from people who are knocking on death's door, which we all could be, we just don't know it, but knocking on death's door and, and talking to them and hearing about what's important to them, family, memories with, with loved ones, travel experiences, pets. I mean, just the, 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 the magical moments with the people who they, they love. I mean, that's perspective. And that, that, that right there will um, keep you focused on what's most important. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, much love, brother. Thank you so much for being on the show. And, and where can people find out about Ashcroft? Where can they find out about you? And how can they connect? Uh, you can email me directly, joe at ashcroftcapital.com, or you can go to our website, um, ashcroftcapital.com. And we actually have a, a, a section that we're launching. Um, launching? Oh, it's launched. Okay, so I'll tell you, herefrominvestors.com. So if you go to here, H-E-A-R, from F-R-O-M, investors, you know how to spell that, .com, herefrominvestors.com. You can uh, listen to and watch over 100 uh, testimonials from our investors so you can learn more about their experiences. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. And with that, guys, we'll wrap up and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Continue to be phenomenal. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Limitless MD. If you found value from this episode, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend and let me know by leaving a review. For more information, make sure you check out the links in the show notes below or simply visit VikramRaya.com. So until next time, my friends, be phenomenal.